and world religions. I'm Paul John Roche, Unity Minister, and also the author of the book, Unity and World Religions. And today we're going to look at unity and Hinduism. India is one of the most ancient civilizations on the planet, and some people think it's as old as 10,000 years. Um, but even conservative estimates put it at 5,000 years. And during that whole time, there's been a continuity of civilization and therefore a continuity of religion, uh, which makes it the oldest religion in the world. And it's a fascinating religion. Um, it's subtle. It's eclectic. It is embracing and it's always unfolding and changing. And yet, it has a solid philosophical core of understanding. Hindus call their religion Sanatana Dharma, which means the eternal way or eternal truth. And that's a little bit like unity, isn't it, when we talk about the truth principles. So there's a commonality right there. Hinduism is as I said, several thousand years old, and there's several schools of philosophy as a result, and many, many different teachings. And yet what this does is provide a multiplicity of ways to approach the divine. In the same way, there are a multiplicity of gods, even though in actuality God is seen as one, God shows up in numerous forms, and some people say there are 33 million gods in Hinduism. But the core idea, once again, is that God is formless, but takes many forms. Uh, and so uh, there's the one formless God, the, the omnipresent presence and power like we have in unity, yet it expresses in a multiplicity of ways. Simply... Uh, put, it's a bit like Unity's divine ideas, where you have one God that has a huge amount of divine ideas, which are, which are like uh, facets uh, of the diamond, if you like, and I, and I like that. Um, let's see, I'm going to read my handwriting again. Folks, I've been experiencing some uh, downturns with my eyesight recently, and uh, I'm going to get that fixed, but uh, it's making doing ministry a little slower sometimes. Um, I was going to say that the pantheons of gods uh, in Hinduism are similar in a way to the ancient Greek and Roman and Celtic and other traditions. And part of that is because of the influx of the Indo-Europeans into India about 3,000 years ago. But there's also a longer tradition in Hinduism that goes back, as we said, predates the Aryan invasions um, and goes back 10,000 years or so. Case in point, um, one of the holiest cities in India, uh, Varanasi, sometimes called Kashi, uh, the city of light uh, on the holy river Ganges, is considered by uh, anthropologists and archaeologists to be at least 10,000 years old and therefore one of the oldest cities on, on this planet, which again is quite fascinating, isn't it? Um, so we're talking about an ancient civilization, but the interesting thing is, unlike the Greek or Roman civilizations, which, which are now artifacts of the past, this is a living tradition that has that pedigree going back all that time. 
And that gives the places of India, I think, and the temples, um, the, the holy uh, places of the mountains, uh, a pilgrimage center, gives them a tremendous power because uh, worship has been taking place there for literally thousands of, of years. Much of the wisdom of Hinduism is enshrined in great texts. Uh, the oldest of which is the, are the Vedas, uh, which are um, books of knowledge and ritual and philosophy. There's also the, the Upanishads, uh, which have sometimes been called the Himalayas of the soul because they are such deep texts. And there's a multiplicity again of uh, texts surrounding the various sects, teachings uh, and, and um, philosophies of India. There's two great epics in India, the Mahabharata, and the Ramayana, and uh, Mahabharata is the great story of India itself, and um, and part of that Mahabharata uh, is called the Bhagavad Gita. It's very short text, but it's considered to be perhaps one of the most profound uh, writings ever committed to paper, and uh, in 18 chapters, it lays out the whole of the, the spiritual path in a very profound way. Mahatma Gandhi, by the way, uh, every morning he would read from three different texts, and I'm sure he had others he was using, but he said three were core to him, and uh, the first text was the Sermon on the Mount, because he considered the, the Sermon on the Mount was the essence of spirituality. That's interesting, isn't it? And then the second text that he read every day was the Gita Upanishad, it's one of the shorter Upanishads. And then the third text was excerpts from the Bhagavad Gita. So uh, he, he found those three texts to be the, the preeminent texts of, of our planet. And in fact, he said at one time, I think, that if every other text was destroyed and only the Sermon on the Mount and the Bhagavad Gita remained, uh, we would have everything we need to, to live a, a deeply spiritual life. So that's quite fascinating. So in essence, God is one, as we said earlier, but takes many forms, has many aspects, and uh, each one is like a, a doorway into the truth. And I think you can see image images and statues, murtis, as they're called, uh, as portals to the divine, and they represent different aspects of our consciousness. So it's not that there's a multiplicity of gods, but God is... Uh, has a multiplicity of aspects, and, and so one might work better for you one day than another. Just as we might have a divine idea that's meaningful one day, uh, that's more profound for us than another. It doesn't mean we preclude the others. Each, each one could be important. I believe that Hinduism, Hindus believe in a pantheistic system, uh, uh, excuse me, not pantheistic, pan-entheistic, there's a difference, right? Pantheism is that everything is God. Panentheism is that everything is in God, um, and God is in everything, but God is not limited to the everything. Uh, it is above and beyond, and yet at the same time infinitely connected. And, and I think that's stated clearly in the Gita, that um, God is, is infinitely connected, is part and parcel of the universe, and yet not limited to that universe. It's above and beyond. It's transcendent also. I think that's an important distinction to be made. In Hinduism, we find everything from uh, agnosticism to fundamentalism, 
from literalism to deep mystic understanding. Uh, and so it's a very eclectic uh, religion in, in that regard. Let's talk about the gods a little bit. There is, uh, in modern Hinduism, the, the great trinity of, of the three main gods, and then their consorts, the three main female gods. And that's another thing I love about Hinduism, is that the divine feminine is an extremely important part of the teaching. And where we may have lost that in some traditions, it certainly hasn't been lost in, in Hinduism. And so there's the great trinity of Brahma, uh, Vishnu and Shiva, the, the creator, the sustainer, and the destroyer, if you like, or the transformer, you might say. And then there's the equivalent in the female of uh, Saraswati, the consort of Brahma, uh, Lakshmi, the consort of Vishnu, and then Parvati or Durga, uh, the consort of uh, Shiva. And uh, again, we can go into great detail on all these. Uh, and by the way, there's another god that shows up uh, in, in terms of uh, the, the, the form of a monkey god, and that's on my screen right now. You may have noticed that when, when uh, you'd be watching watching this. I'll tell you a little bit about Hanuman in, in a second. But uh, it makes sense, though, that there's the, the creator of all the universe, the sustaining power, and, and then the transforming, the dissolution so that new can come forth. And you need all those aspects of God. And the consorts, the two feminine consorts, uh, link with that. Saraswati is the goddess of knowledge and, and poetry and art and uh, music, uh, a creative field of things. Uh, Lakshmi is the goddess that's linked to the sustaining power, the goddess of, of prosperity and abundance. And then uh, Parvati or Durga, uh, linked with, uh, with Shiva, is the goddess that overcomes everything with extreme power. Um, and, and often seeming violence to, to take care of business in the universe. And uh, one of her dark aspects is Kali, and you're familiar with that perhaps from popular culture and the uh, um, Temple of what is it, Temple of Doom or whatever the, um, uh, the modern the films that I have seen about uh, Kali as a destructive force. But we don't have to be afraid of this. This is, this is part of the planet, isn't it? Things um, arise and fall. There's a birth and death and then rebirth. So, um, and I should mention that's a key idea in Hinduism, the idea of um, reincarnation, that uh, there's an endless cycle uh, throughout the universe. Two other aspects I want to mention, and then there's many more gods, but we won't get into all of them, um, is Ganesh, uh, who is the, the elephant-headed god. He's the son of, or one of the sons of, of Shiva. Um, he's the god that takes care of obstacles. He's the remover of obstacles. And then Hanuman is the hero of the, the Ramayana epic, because Hanuman is the uh, son of the monkey god and the wind, and uh, represents extreme strength and devotion and courage. And uh, so he rescues uh, Sita, Rama's uh, wife, another god, Rama, uh, from the from Ravana, who's this demon force. And uh, he, through extreme courage, he's able to bring her home. And that's the basic plot of the uh, the Ramayana epic. Um, Vishnu, the preserver, is unusual because it, it has uh, ten avatars. Um, these forms of, of the gods, 
and Rama is one, and the Buddha is sometimes considered to be one, Jesus is considered to be one of these avatars too. And, and of course, Jesus is held in high regard in Hinduism as a great teacher, and uh, is lifted up there often alongside Shiva as, as being a great, a great teacher. In the philosophical systems, uh, sometimes we talk about Purusha and Prakriti. Prakriti. Uh, Purusha is spirit, uh, undifferentiated essence, limitless spirit, and Prakriti is matter, is the manifestation of that. So it's similar to, to unity in some ways, yet it's uh, pure spirit that takes manifestation. And it's a little bit like a dance. Um, they talk about Shiva and Shakti, the male and female aspect. So Shiva, is, again, is spirit, and Shakti is the energy of spirit, um, the moving force. Uh, just like the Shekinah in, uh, in Kabbalah, mysticism in, in Judaism, and uh, other female entities or forms in other religions. So there's a lot of commonality in that way. And of course, we say in unity, don't we, uh, Father, Mother, God, because we acknowledge there's that uh, connection, there's that um, dance between the two that is very, very important. So ways to approach the one, how do we do that? Well, uh, Hinduism provides, a, a, again, that word that I keep using, a multiplicity of ways to, to approach God. And it lays out ways in which we fall from uh, units of understanding or grace, uh, not by sin as much as by uh, what they've called uh, Maya, um, illusory states. We're, we're caught up in, in illusions. Because ultimately, human beings in Hinduism are considered, like we do in unity, considered to be um, divine, essentially. And uh, the Atman, the, the spirit, is within all human beings. Uh, but we've forgotten it. Um, and we're coming home to the truth that I am that. I am that essence that cannot be defined that is the truth of the universe. So I am that. But I've got lost in the, um, the world of illusion, the world of illusory nature, uh, sometimes called samsara, the world of time and change, the endless cycle, um, which leads to rebirth. Uh, and the goal is to wake up, to see clearly, so that we can um, not be um, pulled apart and, uh, and overwhelmed by the, the illusory dance. Um, ultimately, even Maya is part of um, God, and uh, it's sometimes called Lila, the, the play of God, playing uh, a game with us, if you, if you like, um, uh, confusing us. Uh, again, it reminds me uh, of uh, what we said about um, the fall of man. It's a fall forward. Sometimes you have to fall uh, forward in, in a sense that you have a certain amount of self-knowledge, then you miss the, the larger point, but you can't find it until you've lost it, right? So um, Maya um, and uh, Leela uh, and the, 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 the real of Samsara is, is a way in which we learn on planet Earth. It's, uh, it's our attachment, our false identification that leads us astray, but then we have this beautiful um, ability to come back to the truth, and, and all the great gurus and teachers throughout Hindu history uh, have taught the way back to, to oneness again, to, to unity of understanding. The goal, the ultimate goal in Hinduism is moksha, sometimes referred to as mukti, um, which is freedom, uh, just freedom from illusion. 
seeing things clearly. There's another beautiful um, trinity that I like. It's called Satchit Ananda, and um, it's, a, it's a way of describing God or the universe. Sat means seeing or truth. Um, Chit means consciousness, and Ananda means bliss. So being, consciousness, truth, which I fit, feel fits in very well with uh, the unity trinity. Um, so the Father is um, the beingness of the universe, the truth of the universe. Uh, the Son is the consciousness, the Christ consciousness. And then the Holy Spirit is joy in action. And that fits in with the metaphysical trinity too, right? The mind, idea, expression. So mind is the being, um, consciousness is the idea in mind, and then uh, expression is how we live it, how we put it into practice, hopefully with, with joy, with ananda, because ultimately that's what living fully is. It's a joy to, to, be, to be alive. So... First two principles, uh, I think, fit very well with, with uh, Hinduism, uh, the idea that essentially there's one presence, uh, that humankind is divine, essentially. And the third principle uh, is very much present in, in Hinduism, you might call it karma, uh, but the idea that everything's connected, there's consequences for our actions. Um, I'd like to read a beautiful passage from the, one of the Upanishads, which to me really sums this up. It sums up unity's law of mind action uh, beautifully. And it says, you are what your deep driving desire is. What your desire is, so is your will. As your will is, so is your deed. As your deed is, so is your destiny. That arises from our deep driving desire, which, which informs our will, which then leads to action, which then determines our destiny. So if we want to change our lives, we change what we're desiring, right? If we're, we're desiring less than the perfect wholeness of the universe, then we're going to be led astray. But if we remember uh, the truth of our being, then, then we are given um, a, a freedom. So that leads to the fourth uh, principle, prayer and meditation. And India is a treasure trove, folks, of um, ways to practice uh, prayer and meditation. And we no way we can get into it all today. Um, we know yoga uh, a little bit, don't we? Because we have a yoga studio on each uh, corner of our, of our cities these days. Uh, but there are many kinds of yoga. Yoga simply means to, to connect to to have union with, uh, to, to come back to wholeness. Um, you're familiar with Hatha Yoga, with physical yoga, but there, there are many others. There's Bhakti Yoga, uh, the Yoga of Devotion, Jnana Yoga, the Yoga of uh, Wisdom, uh, Intellectualism to a degree, um, Study, uh, Karma Yoga, the Yoga of Sacred Action, uh, Raja Yoga, which is, is a whole... Um, um, way of approaching systematically uh, to, to move towards freedom. Um, Patanjali Yoga Sutras uh, lays out Raja Yoga quite nicely. Uh, there's Kundalini Yoga, bringing up the energies in, in the body and the use of chakras and whatnot. Um, there's also a huge tradition of uh, Japa or repeating uh, mantras and uh, chanting and being in satsang uh, and singing songs, kirtan, um, which can lead to, to enlightenment also. 
So this is just a few. Uh, there's a whole system of pooling out of Ada, and I'm some of us are familiar with aspects of these these systems. But like I said, in multiplicity available. Um, the fifth principle is putting it into action. Again, it's very much part of the uh, the Hindu context because traditionally in the in, in the old days there was a caste system and each person had his rightful place in the caste system. That is breaking down now. Um, officially, the caste system has been abolished, but it does still exist. Um, but now people are seeing that uh, it's, it's to do your rightful thing that's important, not necessarily to be in a particular caste, but whatever is yours to do, do it well. It's called doing your dharma, uh, your, the righteous action. And, uh, and as... Um, Martin Luther King said, if it's better to be a, a street sweeper and do that well, than praise something you can't do, right? And I think uh, Hindus would agree with that. It's whatever you're called to do, do it well. Um, as Jesus said, if you if you do well in a small thing, God will give you a larger thing. Um, and so it's that willingness to be humble, uh, to do what is yours to do. And there's a big emphasis in Hinduism on seva, uh, on service to others. Um, and uh, that's very important. Uh, pilgrimage is also important. Uh, the idea of going to Varanasi, for instance, the most holy place, and, and uh, being buried there, or, or cremated there, rather, is extremely important for many Hindus. But there are many other holy places, rivers, mountains, uh, temples throughout India, and uh, each one uh, there's uh, is a center of pilgrimage, and uh, people spend quite a bit of time making that pilgrimage and, and earning um, good karma, I guess, in the, in the process. Um, there are many great teachers. You may be familiar with some of them. I have my own favorites. Uh, Ramana Maharshi, the great uh, 20th century guru, is one of them. Um, there's, there's, there's a few fake ones, no, no doubt, but uh, uh, India is a place of deep wisdom. Um, and there are many, many wonderful teachers. I mention a number of them in my in my book uh, to get you started if you're not familiar with them. Um, that's a quick summation of a religion that I very much love. I think there's um, many commonalities between Hinduism and um, unity. And, and I think actually Charles and Myrtle Fillmore uh, studied aspects of Hinduism. They were certainly there at the first parliament of religions when the Indian guru Vivekananda was present. And uh, as they were unfolding and developing unity, they, they took on board many aspects of Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Judaism, uh, and, and other spiritual teachings uh, to, to come up with this idea of unity. So I think there's, there's a lot of commonality. Certainly for me, I feel very attached to um, this teaching. The, the image that uh, is on the screen behind you is a photograph that we took um, in South India. We went to uh, a, a nature ramble in the forest, and uh, and when we got to the top of the hill, we came to a Hanuman temple, and as we walked down the hill, there were multiplicity, there's that word again, hundreds of statues of uh, Hanuman in various poses. And again, he represents that uh, idea of courage, devotion, uh, complete dedication to the spiritual path. And of course, he's using the mudra be a fearless, do not be afraid, all is well. Uh, and I like that too. Um, Hanuman simply means big joy. Uh, that's, that's the translation. So 
Yes, he's, he's the dog with big jaws, right? But he flies through the air. He's, uh, he's the original flying monkey, I guess. I guess. All right. Let's close with an affirmation. Uh, it comes from, again, one of the Upanishads. And um, I'll read the, uh, the Upanishad, and then we'll put it in the form of, a, of an affirmation that we can say together. When the wise realize the self, the true self, formless in the midst of form, changeless in the midst of change, omnipresent and supreme, they go beyond sorrow. So we can take that now in, a, in an affirmative form. I'll do it in two parts. Would you join me? So firstly, I'll say it first, then we can say it together. I now realize my true self, formless and changeless, omnipresent and supreme. Together, I now realize my true self, formless and changeless, omnipresent and supreme. I am free of sorrow and filled with wisdom, love and joy. Together, I am free of sorrow and filled with wisdom, love, and joy. And so it is. So thanks for being with us today on this uh, particular uh, subject of Hinduism. And join me next week when we will look at unity and Buddhism, which should be a fascinating week too. Until then, bye-bye now. Take care.